This is the Kamloops Insider with Parker Bennett. Welcome, everyone, to the Kamloops Insider podcast. What a great name for a podcast. I like it. I do like it. It is, it is a great name for a podcast. And we have a very delightful subject to talk about today. Philippa. Yes. Any idea why my house is not selling? <laughs> Many ideas. Have That's you ever heard that before? <laughs> um, well, you know what, actually? I think it's about going in and making that very clear at the very beginning. Correct. Yes, the difference between a proactive and a reactive realtor. Yes. So that's the topic for today. We're going to talk about um, some issues regarding the house that sits on the market for days and days and days and does not sell. And I think it's a hot topic. I think there's a lot of discussion around this. We'll try and keep it to the point and keep it to the highlighted features. Um, And... You know, if you were at home and you had like a piece of paper right now, you'd want to scribble this down because it's some good stuff. We're going to talk about some good stuff. If you're selling your house. If you're selling your house. Or yeah. or if you're buying. It's 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 a good idea yeah, to true. know your exit strategy when you're purchasing a house. And if you are so eager to get into a single family dwelling that you choose a house that has some deficiencies or layout issues or locational issues, um, be aware that in three to five to seven years when you decide you're going to move out and upgrade or low grade or change parts of town, you're going to be faced with those challenges. Yeah. So I think they're good even for potential buyers. This is a good podcast. Um, I want to make it like really clear when your house doesn't sell, it's only really one factor and that's price. Now there's external factors that lead to that, but if you have a house that is missing a roof and the door is falling off and you could, you could make the argument that if I just had a roof and a door that it would sell, but if you're selling it as the way it is, it's price. Right. Every house has a price that will, that it will sell for regardless, regardless of the deficiencies and locational issues and problems that it has it will sell. Like if you had a tent on a lot and even the tent had holes in it, it would sell at the right price. So keep in mind, all the things that we're going to discuss today, they all relate to price. You can solve issues, which will solve, will increase or, you know, possibly increase the price problem that it's listed at, but it's always price. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're either willing to do something about the deficiencies or the, the, the roadblocks to getting it sold at that price. But if you're not, it's price. Right. Does that make sense? Sure does. Did I explain that right? Okay. Yeah. So if you were to draw a big circle and put price in the middle of it, I would like draw a line through the middle of that circle, right through the price word. And I would throw on internal issues or internally issues. Yeah. Yeah. And then external issues, which... The internal issues are sort of issues that you can correct or issues that may be able to be resolved. Mm-hmm. And then there's some external factors that you probably just don't have any control over. Okay, so let's discuss what those factors are that you do not have control over. Okay, so let's say you buy a home in a great neighborhood and the house next door to you is beautiful 
And the day you move in, the neighbor puts his house up for sale. And you get a creep living next door. And maybe he doesn't have five dogs, but he has two pit bulls, which meets the requirements of the Kamloops bylaw requirements. And those dogs just nonstop bark. Or, you know, they, they break things. Mm-hmm. Or they chew on the mm-hmm. fence. And you really don't have control over your neighbor. Right. You might think you can. Yeah. But you really don't. Build so a bigger fence? I mean, you could build a wall. <laughs> take, take some advice at Trump. And make your neighbor pay for it. (laughs) But I would say that's probably one of the bigger external issues is that, you know, locationally, you don't have control over your neighbors or your surrounding area. Mm -hmm. And those things could change after you live there. Yeah. And a really good point to make, if you're buying in like a strata complex where there's very similar units, a townhouse complex or an apartment building, you, you also don't have control over what your neighbor sells this house for. So let's say the market shows that a, a unit in your complex at that square footage will sell for 200 even. Mm-hmm. And there's, an, you know, you put your house on the market and you list it for 199.9 and four other people in that complex decide to sell at the same time. And somebody just decides that they need out faster and they're willing to put it up for 169.9. Yeah. You have no control over that. Right. But yet that will affect the outcome of your property selling. Absolutely. Yeah. In a very detrimental way. So yeah. you need to be aware when you're buying into a strata property, um, something that has very similar type units that look the same, feel the same, have the same square footage. And, and just, you know, there might could be some minor changes, like the view might be a little different. There might be some elevation changes or whatever. But if the layouts mm-hmm. are pretty similar, your neighbor's house and their desire to sell in the future could totally affect how well your property sells. Mm-hmm. External factor have very little control over it. Yeah. Unless you're like attached to the mafia and you can squeeze <laughs> your neighbors. <laughs> family shirt. Family, Fam- family show. Yeah. Um, let's talk about location. Okay. Have you seen a, a location in Kamloops change for the worst? Like an area of town that maybe was once considered okay, but it seems to be going downhill. You want me to say that, like, on live podcast here? You don't have to say the neighborhood, but I'm just saying, like... Okay, can I just say yes? Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Because there could be, like, a safe injection site open up nearby, which could attract different type of individuals Mm -hmm. casually in your... Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example, and I will say it out loud. Like, I, I moved into a subdivision when I first moved to Kamloops, and then a very large gas station that became, like, the hub for very transient people mm-hmm. uh, opened up nearby, mm-hmm. which changed our crime rate. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, I don't think it really changed the value drastically in any way, shape, or form, but it definitely was something out of my control mm-hmm. that if you were, like, really paying attention, mm-hmm. definitely made an effect on, mm-hmm. you know, what was going on in the neighborhood. Yeah. And some neighborhoods that are getting older, right, when there's all these new developments coming up and they start renting those properties. Right. And so, obviously, the rentals changes the face of the whole neighborhood. They do. Yeah. Good point. And then there's also, like, some subdivisions that seem to be improving. And, like, I think North Kamloops is probably the best example of that. Mm-hmm. Just uh, a neighborhood that's always been considered a very rental neighborhood, older houses, 
Um, people are seeing the value there now. There's parks. There's more parks there than anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and redoing those houses, right? Yeah, and a lot of those houses, yeah. because they're, they're, they were selling so cheap, they're now like be very attractive to purchase as a house flip or something to renovate. Um, and and they're, you know, it's becoming a more and more desirable neighborhood. I, I remember when you couldn't buy, there was never a house there that was sold for over 300. Yeah. And now I, I hardly ever see one under, under 300. Right. And that's taking place really in a short mm-hmm. time period. But so that is definitely something that is out of your control as far as selling your house. Right. Yeah. External factor. Yes. Okay. Um, what about, um, kind of talked about pets kind of in the bad neighbor thing, but you know, you could always get a bad pet in your hood, which mm-hmm. barks maybe in a distance too. Just drives you insane. Mm-hmm. Um, Layout issues of a home. Now, I'm not saying you can't correct it, but it's kind of an external factor in that, you know, if you have a basement entry home, you're not going to appeal to the rancher market. Right, and right. And so that, that's kind of an external factor, but I wouldn't really, like, I'd kind of like to point out that you, when you purchase the home, you, you should be aware of what you're buying mm-hmm. as to what the exit strategy would be for you. Right. But you know what? As a seller, I would say to you, well, what do you mean? I love my layout. Right. Look, this is a fantastic layout. Right. Right? It works for me. It works for my family. Why wouldn't everybody else like that? Right? Like, that's what I'm going to come back at you with. Sure. And a, I think a very effective realtor would be the type of personality to point that out early in the purchase process, you know, where the value lies in, in resale. And then when you're coming up with a number for a property to sell at, comparability is going to be your best tool to yes. look at comparable mm-hmm. properties that are similar. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean like right now the baby boomer type buyer is really looking for a rancher. We're pretty limited in camps for ranchers Yeah, that have just like a main living, um, area, kitchen, master bedroom, bathroom, preferably laundry all on one level. So that stairs are not, not being a, utilized. A non-issue, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, age of a home. The, Can't do anything about that. The clock is always ticking. Yeah. And I, I would say that there's some older houses in our area, like in Kamloops, the downtown area, that the, the age is like, it, it adds value because the character's there. Mm-hmm. But I think if you're looking at a, let's say a 1980s house, you know, in 10 more years, it's just, that, that doesn't really add value. It kind of just ages out. Typical things like the way the style of construction. Yeah. And the efficiency of the home. Right. And so those are just... And the rose-colored carpets? Yeah. <laughs> Although the shag came back, so you never know. <laughs> the shag... True story. Yeah. Shag is back in. It's a different shag, though. <laughs> it's a nicer shag. I would say... Yeah, it's a nicer shag. It's a... What about sweet potential? Some houses huge. just don't have sweet potential. They don't. But, like, is that not huge right now? It's huge. Yeah. And it's only going to get bigger. Yes. Mortgage helper. Yeah. With the B20 regulations that are coming into effect January 1st, 2018, being able to service the debt, to qualify to service the debt on a property is going to become a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. And with that ability to add some revenue to your property with a basement suite or having just the potential to add that suite in Mm -hmm. is definitely going to just drive those properties up in value. Right. So if if you bought five years ago and you didn't want a suite ever, nor did you care about a suite, 
and now you're selling in 2018 and you're you're at a let's say a $450,000 kind of price point you're limiting the buyers because they need to have a suite so that could in in some in some ways affect the value of your property yeah unfortunately but you know it it doesn't really totally affect the value but it it shrinks the buyer right shrinks the buyer buyer right let's look at some internal factors this will be where we have a lot of fun. Things, things that you can change or you can things suggest you... to the seller that they can change. Yeah. I would say, what, what, what would you say would be the number one thing? Number one, get rid of the clutter. Get rid of the clutter. That's a good one. I don't think people realize they have clutter. Yeah. If you could see yes. this office right now. <laughs> you would see some minor deficiencies in its value yes due to its presentation of clutter <laughs> but we're working on that we 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 got a we have a plan of attack to improve the quality of this office but anyways okay well clutter like there's i mean a number of things right like staging clutter comes with that removing that yeah right you you want to present the house with the most limited number of items visible right is that a good analogy make it look nice yeah people don't like the idea that you have clutter when you tell them remove the clutter yes so and you know how i get around that i always say like all your personal items you don't want everybody else seeing those so let's just put them in a box okay you do have linguistic advantages (laughs) going into your presentation (laughs) i just say get rid of the stuff (laughs) you got to get rid of everything counters need to be free of everything yes it it shows better because it shows bigger yeah and it it doesn't sort of seed the idea that there's maybe not enough room for something that someone else is envisioning to be on their countertop Mm -hmm. i would say that would be one of the better things you could do on in the sort of kitchen area um and bathrooms what, what about fridges um you ever seen people like just leave their fridge alone no magnets, no stick-ons. No, don't put stuff on top of them. Well, some people have fridges that don't that can't have magnets. I have a fridge that doesn't like it's S- not magnetic. Stainless steel, yeah. pewter. It's something. It's something. How about yeah. dirt? Dirt. Can I just give a quick experience this weekend? Absolutely. Taking buyers through a house where we had to go back to the front door and put our shoes on again. Yeah. And you literally couldn't see the floor, the furniture. It, it was white for some reason with stains absolutely everywhere. Yep. The counters were covered. They opened the fridge. It's, it was really bad, smelled very bad. And um, that was a total deterrent for my buyers. Right. They could not see past the dirt, which I mean, you know, like you should be able to, but yep. this was just gross. And really it would have taken a good vacuum and maybe like a cover over the couch, you know, right. put your stuff away. Yeah. So how do you how do you express that challenge to your sellers? Like you got a seller, and they look around and they said, "Yeah, we cleaned up for you." And you look around and you're like, "Lord help this person." Um, can I help you get a cleaner in here? Right. <laughs> they they have to see the value and what what their final price point is going to be, mm. and mm-hmm. the desire for someone to want to come into your home. Yes. If it's dirty, it's it's detracting buyers. Yeah. If that's even a word. Yeah, I am linguistics challenged. So, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I would say clean, and and decluttering would all kind of fit into a preparation category. Yeah. So we're yeah. we're preparing the house to sell. 
those are those are easy things. Like there's a, there's more things obviously that they could do. So they've got like a, a lime green wall, all in through their living room. Mm-hmm. That's not something that's going to appeal to all buyers. So, you know, maybe a neutral paint. Neutralize it. Which is definitely more work and it's more money. However, the return on that, right? Oh, Philippa, online one. Well, it is like a podcast. We're in business mode here, so we, you know, we do have stuff going on. Okay, let let's recap staging. So we've talked about keeping the property clean. We've talked about decluttering, and let's just talk about staging. Let's talk about having somebody come in to prep the house for its optimal presentation. And and I think having that having the pictures being taken um, with some sort of presentation in mind is optimal for that first appearance online that the buyer is going to see. Right. So do you typically do that? Like, do you feel that you can go into a house and, and somewhat stage it, you know, given the stuff that they have, or do you recommend somebody coming in? Is it a decision you make based on the seller? It's totally a decision I make based on the seller. Right. Right. If they, if I go into their house and it's got great furniture, it's, you know, fits the house, whatever, then it's just a matter of decluttering. But if it's, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So if you're going into a a house that let's say has a bunch of deficiencies and maybe some deferred maintenance, you're probably not going to recommend that they get some stager to come in. Mm. However, wouldn't that be a good opportunity to add some value to that property if the sellers were committed to, to really selling? Absolutely. Like, I, I think there's a fine line, though, when you need to um, be aware of um, insulting your sellers. Right. Right? Yeah, and I don't think it's really, it's never about that. No, not at all. It's always about just trying to get maximum gain for the property. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the other thing is, is I don't know, I don't think you would stage the property on a property that you felt maybe was overpriced because it's going to be staged for a really long time. There's going to be some costs associated with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... People do need to realize that when they commit to selling their house, they need to commit to it. It is going to sell. Yeah. So, you know, when you declutter, it's really not about like just moving and shifting some stuff around. Go get some boxes. Box up. You're moving. Yeah. So take the stuff that you don't need for, you know, if you're selling in the summer, you don't need your winter clothes. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in a new house then. Yeah. So, you know, box up stuff and make the closets look big and, uh, you know, like get rid of stuff that you just, you're not going to need through, through the yeah. final four weeks of your, your, um, stay in the house. Right. And like all your family photos, pictures that are in frames that are all over every counter or your dresser or wherever it is. Right. Yeah. Like just stick them in a box. Grandma's not going to miss being up on your yes. counter for just this <laughs> couple weeks right. of showing. Yeah. She'll get by. She'll get over it. Um, Okay, so like preparing the house, we sort of got it into a couple phases. We want to declutter, we want to make sure it's super clean, and then we want to somewhat stage the property so that it shows big, so that it shows well, um, some taste, and and some presentation in the especially when you think about the photos. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have like, let, let's say you have like a mixed matched couch that was a hand me down, mm-hmm. and it doesn't quite fit the room. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be a better idea just to 
pull that sucker out, take some photos with the, uh, with the room empty to yeah. show its size yeah. and just commit to sitting on some other chairs while you're spending your last four weeks in the house. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If the goal is to sell and to sell for the most amount of money, we need to do the most amount of effort possible in preparation for that house to sell. Right. Uh, those are big things that yeah. need to be done right away. Yeah. Right. But if you're showing a house, someone's coming in to look at the house, make your bed and pick up your clothes. Right. Right. Which my wife would do. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, no, the, we, we have an agreement. It's, it's not like a, it's not a chauvinist thing. It's just, we have an agreement in place in our household. Those items to be taken care of. I mean, I'm not use this podcast to go through my contractual obligations, but <laughs> <laughs> it would be really good to not walk into someone's house when you're showing it and seeing socks and underwear on the floor. Yeah. Which I have seen before. Me too. Right. What's going through the mind of a seller. And, and like dog poo or pee on the... Do you remember that house that we were looking at to flip? Yeah. Do you remember the stains on the carpet? Yes, I do. Yeah. Ingrained Gosh. very well in my brain. Thanks. Yeah. We called it the poo room. The poo room. <laughs> okay, deficiencies. I wouldn't call this really part of the preparation stage in the presentation aspect, but, but when you have a buyer present who's made an offer and there will be a home inspection associated with that, they're going to be seeing all the deficiencies. So it would be good to prep the deficiencies of your home or at least understand what they are. You know, if you have a, an old roof shingle, this is something that's been discussed over and over and over and over by realtors. You know, is there value in replacing your roof? Mm. Um, if it's not leaking, just be prepared to maybe split the cost with a buyer right. as opposed to you're not going to see that money back if it's 10000 or $15,000 to replace some roofing shingles. Yeah. But it does take away from the, uh, from the overall presentation of the home when you walk up and you can see curled shingles. But I, I truly believe that you're not going to see that money back completely. So you know, that's one thing, you know, a furnace or, but let's talk about like smaller deficiencies. Like let's say you have a broken window pane, you know, that might be worth fixing. Yeah. Or door handles that don't close properly. Mm -hmm. Closets, bifold doors that are not functional. On their tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Fix leaky taps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but those are things that show um, pride in home ownership. Right. And so then the buyer walking in will think, okay, this person takes care of their home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You need to present well. Yeah. You need to present your home as if you've taken care of it. The next buyer will see that value. Right. Yeah. De deficiencies are a big one and they definitely put money in your pocket. If you can either strategically eliminate them or at least be aware of them. Sometimes you can even st strategically put them in the property disclosure statement so that you're not getting renegotiated on after a buyer. Yes. You know, a buyer attacks um, an offer. Um, what's another thing that you can have control of? What about your realtor? Fully in your control. You get in to make that decision. your control. Yeah. You may have a very passive realtor who's just happy to put a sign up. Yeah. Who's not really helping you put together a proper plan to sell that house for the maximum amount of money. Mm -hmm. Or... Maybe even a realtor who's not willing to tell you that your house is overpriced. Mm -hmm. And that's why you're not getting it sold. Right. How do you approach that? I typically 
I, I spend a lot of time doing a comparable analysis of what that property should be worth. Right. I give my sellers like, this is what I think you should get in your hands. This is what I would list it for in mm-hmm. order to sort of capture that area. Mm-hmm. I always say that, you know, I don't get to choose the number it sells for. And I don't get to choose the number it gets listed for. The, as a seller, you don't get to choose what it sells for, but you do get to choose what you what you list it for. Right. Right. So, you know, if you want to take the number to the next level of the rainbow, you're going to lose. You're going to lose the that first day on the market feel where mm-hmm. you're like fresh on the market and you're just not getting anybody into your house. Right. You lose that, and then if you start lowering the price, you sort of you know, why is this house not selling? Why is that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you lose that a little bit. But so uh, what about the, the seller? You come in, you've done all the comps, you've done all your due diligence, um, you've given them a price. So let's say you give them a $400,000 price and they're like, my house is worth $500,000, period. Right. Then what? Okay, well, I've had that experience in several different um, bosses, yeah. Remember? We've, we've, we've played that game a few times. <laughs> so... You know, it's an interesting thing. I mean, my perspective on this has changed over time. So I like to have a plan. So if if I feel the house is worth 400000 and we we have a buyer who's like, no, 475 that's where I want to be, then... You mean a seller. Sorry, a seller. Yeah. Um, then then let's do whatever it is that you want to do, 470 but let's build the plan if it doesn't go your way. Right. So are we doing a reduction in three weeks, two weeks? Are we going to evaluate the feedback? And sometimes it would be a good idea. Grab your seller, stick them in your car and go book some showings on comparables. Let them walk through comparable houses and, and get them to see and look and touch and feel what $400,000 will buy you. Right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a worst case scenario. But if you're trying to really show your clients some value in what you do, like, just because you're just going to take an overpriced listing doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't mean you're doing the world any favors. Mm-hmm. You, you could really mess up the comps in your area as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's really important to like really understand what the house is worth from a comparable analysis, what the market is doing, and then take your clients through that process and build a plan. So if they want to list it higher, great. But build a plan to get it back down if it doesn't sell. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because any any realtor on the buying end is going to come in and say, why is this listed up for this when these comps are showing this? Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody has access to the comps. Yes. So, or should have access to the comps. Or do their due diligence and actually find out about the comps. Right. So, what it comes down to really is price. If your house isn't selling, if you've been sitting on the market for, let's say the average day's on the market for houses in your area, price range, um, layout are selling for 22 days on average, and you've hit the 45 day mark, you should be having a conversation with your realtor about what's the next step? Why is it not selling? What are the, uh, what are the roadblocks to getting this deal done? Yeah. And putting a proper plan into place to get it done, but it, it all comes down to price. So you may have a guy who wants to reside the outside of the house because he's not getting his price and he feels that, you know, a $10,000 reside will get him into that level. You're just chasing the number. It's still a price issue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Any, uh, any closing thoughts on that? 
just need to make our sellers aware of all the possible obstacles. Roadblocks. Yep. Absolutely. So, I mean, you could talk about this subject for hours. I could get, <laughs> I could get really going on this. Yep. Um, but I think that sort of covers the basis as some of the ex internal and exter external factors. And um, I think we covered it. I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of the Kamloops Insider Podcast. Please join us again real soon. Bye. <laughs>